look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on Peacock. Featuring pro football talk, the Dan Patrick Show, the Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports. Hi, everybody. Peter King here. This is the FMIA Mini Pod, my abbreviated podcast, rounding up all the events of the NFL weekend. Really, the NFL week. It's been a crazy, crazy week around the National Football League. And I always enjoy divisional weekend the best of any weekend of the year, even though I actually hate that term, divisional weekend. What a dumb name for a mega weekend for the NFL. And this week, I went to Green Bay to see the Packers try to win their first playoff game in three years uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. I thought it was tremendous drama, lots of fun. I'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But I also want to tell you what else I have in store for the column this week. You know, so much interesting stuff that happened. Um, I've got a chunk about Tennessee's win over Baltimore and the absolutely amazing run right now of Derrick Henry, as well as uh, some thoughts about San Francisco, Minnesota, and Kansas City and Houston, which was what a weird, weird game that was. I preview the Tennessee at Kansas City AFC Championship game. Now, how many people in July said Tennessee and Kansas City would be meeting for the AFC Championship? Four? Seven? I don't even know that there were seven in Nashville who predicted that. And then, obviously, Green Bay at San Francisco. Both of these games, by the way, are rematches of November games. Uh, that uh, these four teams played against each other. I've got a good, cool, fun section in the column this week about uh, the, uh, the sort of a TikTok, as they call it in journalism circles, of what happened with the Joe Judge-Matt Rule uh, duel for jobs with the Giants and with Carolina, and how that ended up impacting Josh McDaniels, the New England offensive coordinator, Mike Leach, the coach, former coach at Washington State, uh, and obviously other situations in the NFL. So you're really going to want to read this. I had a good time putting this one together. Uh, in the column this week. Also, talking about the Rooney Rule. Interesting thing about the Rooney Rule. It got into, went into play in 2003. And in 2003, there were three black head coaches in the league, one black general manager, and zero majority owners. 
Well, the hiring cycle is over now that Kevin Stefanski has gone to the Cleveland Browns. So they're the exact same numbers as they were 17 years ago. Three black head coaches, one black general manager, and no uh, black owners. So you can read all about that. I've got a, my profile this week is about Matt Rule, the new California coach. Or new California, the new Carolina coach. See what happens when it's uh, 3.45 a.m. in Green Bay and you've been up all day and, and half the night. But, um, you know, I just there's a lot in this column this week. I hope you uh, spend a little time with it, uh, either Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and now let's just get to the lead of my column from Green Bay, Wisconsin. That pass, that Aaron Rodgers pass, it's still there. He's still got it. I came to Green Bay wondering about Rodgers. Stupidly, as it turns out. Though he's 36, six years Tom Brady's junior, and four years Drew Brees's, Rodgers had been a 500 quarterback in the late McCarthy era. He threw for 28 fewer yards per game this year than last, had the second lowest accuracy rate of his career, and his QBR, the advanced metric quarterback skills rating invented by ESPN, was the lowest of his NFL life. But the Packers were back. They were NFC North champs. So the numbers, well, who cares about the numbers when you're 13-3? and Green Bay hadn't won a playoff game in three years as the wind chill hovered in the low teens Sunday night. Green Bay 28, Seattle 23, third and eight at the Packer 22, 219 left after the Seahawks cut the 18-point halftime lead of the Packers to five, and Seattle had two timeouts left and the marvelous Mr. Wilson warming up for one more miracle. He always knows he's going to win, Pete Carroll said later. He can't function any other way. We really didn't want to give the ball back to Russell, Green Bay coach Matt LaFleur told me in his office just off the locker room later. Well, who would? You don't single cover LeBron with the game on the line. You don't give Mike Trout anything good to hit with the game on the line. You don't play base defense against Derrick Henry on third and short. It's common sense. So, this was a third and eight Rodgers needed to convert if the Packers wanted to win their first playoff game in three years. And of course, Rodgers changed the play. Whiteout Devontae Adams was supposed to run an inside slant, LaFleur told me, but Rodgers changed the play to a double move and what was a classic fade. At the snap, Adams stopped and started and then bolted past safety Ugo Amadi, who'd been momentarily confused by the double move. Rodgers threw such a soft and easy ball, 30 yards in the air, with Amadi a yard behind Adams. The ball was so perfectly placed that if Amadi hadn't been expecting it, it would have fallen over his right shoulder I'm sorry, the ball was so perfectly placed 
that if Adams hadn't been expecting it, it would have fallen over his right shoulder and hit him in the arms. Devontae ran a great route, Rogers said, and I had a lot of space, I felt like, to put it in. No. No, he didn't. Omadi was a step at most behind Adams. When you throw a ball 30, in the, 30 yards in the air onto a postage stamp, that is special. When you make a throw like that and you make one more third down conversion throw that was a little less challenging, and you run out the clock and keep Russell Wilson gripping the ball anxiously on the sideline, you've won. And your team has won. I can't wait to go back and watch the tape of that play, LaFleur told me, 50 minutes after the biggest win of his young coaching life. It was his first playoff win. I wasn't anticipating it, but you know Aaron. He's been doing this a long time. He knows. This hit me about the playoff weekend. Lots of teams went back to the future. The NFL averaged 41% runs in the regular season this year. On divisional weekend, the four winners ran 57% of the time. Now, that's just not Tennessee either. The Niners had a 69-31 run-pass ratio Saturday in their route of the Vikings. Playoff football, LaFleur said. You've got to be able to run in January. So now, upstart Tennessee's at Kansas City. Green Bay is at San Francisco. Both championship games should be fun, though the Packers have work to do to turn a 29-point November loss to San Francisco into a more competitive game. Titans-Chiefs is a matchup of the two most compelling offensive forces left in the playoffs. Runner Derrick Henry versus Patrick Mahomes, the passer. More about those matchups in a few paragraphs and about how the Giants and Panthers and a confusing train station and Mississippi State and Josh McDaniels and Mike Leach and Key West all intersected for 40 hours last week. And also about how to fix the Rooney Rule. Rogers and his revival were vital this weekend. But he's got a good partner, too. LaFleur's done a good job this year massaging some plays so they look new to a defense. One of those plays helped the Packers win more than anyone in the second... I'm sorry, let me start that sentence again. And one of those plays helped the Packers win more than any other one in the second biggest Lambeau crowd ever. Any more than that crowd would know. Go back to Green Bay's first touchdown, the 20-yard Rodgers to Adams TD on the first drive of the game. It was a thing of beauty. In the NFL today, every team has legal pick routes. They're called rub routes, the kind of pass plays that feature two receivers running at good speed very close to each other so that, ideally, two defenders will run into each other or knock each other off the coverage trail. Four minutes into this game, Adams and Geronimo Allison lined up wide left, four yards apart. At the snap, they ran toward each other like it would be a rub route. But as they converged maybe four yards down the field, each pivoted 
and ran up the field. They were faking a rub route, actually, and Adams on the left ran diagonally to the left pylon. Allison on the right ran toward the right post. The defensive backs, Trey Flowers and Amadi, were temporarily distracted, and by the time they got their footing, Adams had two steps on them. Rodgers to Adams, touchdown, easy as pie. Crazy thing, Ruz, if Rodgers waited a split second, Allison would have been more open. The two Seahawk defenders both followed Adams. No one covered Allison. You can say Seattle screwed up the coverage. Okay, that's right. But LaFleur's job is to come up with plays that confuse the defense. This one absolutely did. That's the kind of play that Rodgers has to see and say, I'm dealing with a guy who's got next-level knowledge of defense, just like I did. That play, said LaFleur, is not one we've used. We just added it a week or so ago, to be truthful. It made sense. When you put so much of a similar play on tape for opponents to see, and you decide to change it a little bit, you hope you can catch the defense. That's what you have to do in offensive football today. I don't know if the Packers have it in them to go to San Francisco and win Sunday, but they'll be more competitive than they were in November's 37-8 loss to the Niners. The blossoming lafleur Rogers partnership sh- should see to that. As long as the Green Bay offensive line can protect Rodgers a tick better than it did last time. It was interesting to see Rodgers linger a bit at his post-game press conference Sunday, talking Marshawn Lynch, who scored twice for Seattle in what could be his last NFL game, and the offense and his adjustments this year. And nostalgia. When you get to be 36 and you're in the playoffs for the first time in three years, it's pretty natural to wonder if this could be the last. Rodgers stayed on the field for a couple of minutes after the game, waving to the fans and soaking in the moment. It was a cool moment. We have such a special relationship with our fans, said Rodgers. It's a different connection. We don't have an owner. We have thousands of people who have a piece of paper that's a stock certificate. But people feel like they're invested in what they're doing. To be able to walk off that field again victorious, there is just nothing like it. I stopped myself in the second quarter, and I was just looking around when there was a TV timeout, and they were waving the towels. And in that moment, I was just grateful for the opportunity, loving what I do. No, Rodgers isn't near the end, not close, from the look of Sunday's game. And from the sounds of it afterward. So that's my dispatch from Green Bay. Uh, I'm going to finish the podcast today, as I always do, with the Adu Haiku. Here we go. Painful Balt Lesson. Hard to be sharp at football with 19 days off. I hope everybody has a great week, and I'm looking forward to the uh, two championship games next Sunday. 
Hope you are too. Please uh, log on to Pro Football Talk on Monday or NBCSports.com and read my column. Hope you enjoy it. And also, I love to hear from you. So let me hear from you at PeterKingFMIA at gmail.com. I'll be back next week with another mini pod as well as my normal podcast, the Peter King Podcast, which will be up on Wednesday. Have a great week, everyone. Everyone.